This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Listen up, men. The ABC is testing a new prototype, codenamed Last Resort. It was designed by one of their top specialists, showrunner Sean Ryan. Now, we don't know yet if this Last Resort program is going to work, but if it does, well, that could be a game changer. Captain Johnson, Officer Harbin, I'm sending you on a reconnaissance mission. We want to know everything there is to know about this thing. Study it, analyze it, and report back. I expect weekly dispatches from St. Marina. The fate of our nation depends on it. So get to it. You have the con. The date is 10-21-2012. This is Dispatch 005 from the coast of St. Marina. The purpose of this message is to report on the new prototype launched by the ABC, codenamed Last Resort. I'm Captain Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by Lieutenant Drew Stewart. Permission to speak freely? Permission granted. Thank you, sir. Unfortunately, Executive Officer Harbin is away on a secret covert mission over in Russia. I can't reveal the details of what exactly he's doing over there, but it's, 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 it's top secret. So I'm glad that you were able to join us today, Drew, and, and, and take over for him. No problem. Just nice to be on the con. Yeah. Well, before we get started, let me just ask you, I know you've been watching the show. What do you think so far? Are you on board or are you thinking, meh, maybe this show deserves to get canceled? I like it. I like most of it. I, I like uh, the submarine stuff. I, I like the the mystery, but I'm not sold 100% yet. There are moments where I'm, you know, completely in it. But then there are times where I'm just stepping away like, eh, I don't know about this, guys. Well, it was recently announced that the show has been picked up for a full season. So hopefully it will use the, those extra episodes to win you over. The episode we're going to be talking about today is episode number four of the show. It's called Voluntold, and it was directed by Stephen DePaul, and it was written by Patrick Massett and John Zinman. Drew, why don't you go ahead and give our listeners a brief reminder about what happened on this episode? Unfortunately, my machine uh, was damaged, but uh, I should be able to, to recap the episode as I just watched it. Go for it. Do it from memory. Well, I'm going to also skim around a little bit on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank God we still have Wi-Fi here on the submarine. Indeed. Basically, crew members are starting to approach the captain asking to be allowed to defect away from the Colorado and back to America. And uh, Chaplin decides to offer the crew a choice. They can stay or they can go. Because if they decide they do want to go, you really didn't want them around in the first place, which makes sense to me. Kendall's not sold on it, though. Meanwhile, the Secretary of Defense announces that Chaplin and Kendall are indicted for treason. He also mentions that they are no longer citizens of the United States. I don't know if you caught that. I didn't. That's actually, that's interesting. Yeah, one of the news reports, they said that they don't have any of the rights of American citizens anymore. So I guess it would include a uh, you know, right to a trial. So I don't think it's safe for them to come home. The Secretary of Defense also secretly sends messages to several of the crew members telling them to destroy the ship or send it home after killing the captain. So some of the crew members decide to start trying assassination attempts, concluding with Brannon, the officer who let his compatriot die at the hands of the warlord. 
one of the Marines, uh, the injured one, is waking up, and he knows something about an assassination, changed orders. We don't know at this point, but the other Marines decide they're going to leave, and King fights to keep his friend's body, the guy who died after the ship was hit. Kylie finds out that her father is the one who stole the hard drive from her, and she tells the Admiral that the hard drive contains the GPS position of the Colorado before it was attacked, which would pinpoint that they were already, they were picking up those Marines from Pakistan. So we're a little bit closer to maybe discovering what is going on and why we decided to nuke Pakistan off the map. Surat reveals that the island has the potential for some kind of rare earth element that could make him a ton of money. So he has Sophie searching around the island, and she finds the rare element, but hides it from Surat. And the episode ends with Sophie telling Kendall how the island is worth more than they could possibly imagine. All right, here's a clip. Marcus Chaplin has been deemed unfit for command, as has his XO. Your government now considers them enemy combatants. Your orders are to terminate command using lethal force if necessary and seize or scuttle the USS Colorado. May God fill you with patriot zeal and bless this endeavor. When did this come through? I received it yesterday. It was the Secretary of Defense. I didn't know what to do. Understood. You dismissed, Lieutenant. I've been through the family grams. Five other crewmen, including Wallace, received the same message. We've put together a detail. We'll detain them all for questioning. Well, they'll be questioned, but no one's getting detained. It's not a crime to receive a message. What about not reporting it? At least let me take them off the duty roster. We can't have them on the boat until we know where they stand. Fine, but I expect the crew assembled and ready to drill today, as scheduled. We can't guarantee your safety. Let us get you a ride to the boat. You can be on board before the muster. Grace, you're going to want to learn to recognize when the captain's made up his mind. We muster at 1600, and I'll board the way I always have, with my crew. All right, Lieutenant Stewart, what did you think of this episode of Last Resort, Voluntold? I thought it was really good. I think that the show continues to, it tries to do a lot of things. And it, so far, it's doing them pretty well. The submarine combat, the military intrigue, the political drama, the family drama. So far, it's keeping all of those balls in the air. And that's, that's pretty impressive. I don't know how long they can keep it going, though. I thought that this episode was overall pretty good. I, I think it might be my least favorite episode so far, just because I feel like not a whole lot happened, with the exception of this decision made by Chaplin to give people the choice to either stay with the sub or go. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, I, I want to talk about the assassination attempts that you brought mm -hmm. up during the synopsis. Basically, Secretary Curry, played by Jay Carnes, sent out a message telling everyone, hey, I'm ordering you as Secretary of Defense to take out Chaplin and take out the boat or just take him out and come home, if possible. What did you think of that whole storyline? I could see it coming since the, the second episode, actually. I've been waiting on, on something like this to happen. When Chaplin told Kendall, sometimes the enemy is the person keeping you from going home. 
And I thought that that would come back to bite him because he's keeping everybody from going home. I mean, and until he did this stay or go list, he was keeping people from going home. And that technically made him the enemy. So I was kind of surprised that they hadn't tried previously. But I guess they were waiting on orders, which they, they did receive. The scene on the con with Brannon was really good. I, I thought that was that was really tense and well done because it, it made it more than just we're going to try to kill him. He was trying to he was going to bring down the whole boat, which put everybody in jeopardy. And I think that that really was was a good piece of drama. I'm impressed that that Chaplin can speechify everything all the time, though. <laughs> He's always got something, and he, he's never faltering, never stuttering. He's just like, let me tell you a story. I was a kid, and you know, I saw the Chesapeake and, and all these ships, and I thought, I'm going to join the Navy. <laughs> and how did, how did they broadcast it to the whole ship? Was he, I, I expected to see him like holding down the, the button on the, on the walkie-talkie. Because like, the, brid- the ship could hear his whole speech. I'm glad that they, they figured that out. I guess there's just a switch or something that you can hit to just automatically broadcast everything from the con out to the rest of, of the submarine. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought that was a really good scene. That's an interesting point you bring up about what Chaplin had said in the second episode about how sometimes the enemy is just the guy keeping you from going home. That is, I think, one of the main questions of this series. You know, is Chaplin the enemy? Is he the good guy who who really did make the right decision? Or in disobeying orders, has, is he actually a villain? Is he actually a terrorist? And you're right, that scene with Brandon really does hit at the heart of what the show is about in terms of people trying to do the right thing and wanting to do what's best, not only for themselves, but for the people around them and how sometimes that is a very, very tricky line to walk. And I, I, I do think it's interesting that now, in many ways, Brannon, his, his situation is a parallel to Chaplin because he stood up to authority and he ultimately decided on the course of action that would save the crew and save his fellow sailors. So in many ways, I think everyone in the show is acting out of the same motivations and the same good intentions, which makes it way more interesting when they come into conflict. I mean, it wouldn't be a very good show if everybody was, you know, lockstep behind him, if they were just following Chaplin without any kind of question. Right. And it really it really helps focus on the the moral questions that it asks. Right. Because if you stop if you stop and think about it, like if this was actually happening from our position here in America, we would only be getting what the news says. And I would think he was a terrorist. Well, right. And I find it interesting that, you know, normally on a show like this, when there are, quote, good guys and bad guys, those two groups of people that are in conflict with each other, they tend to have very different motivations. You know, the terrorists want to blow up America and Jack Bauer wants to stop them. Right. You know, and they have and, and, and their goals are completely different. But in last resort, everyone seems to have the same goal. They want to get home. They want to do what's in the best interest of the nation. They want to serve their fellow soldiers and sailors, and they want to do their duty. And so they, they all have the same goal. I just find it fascinating that this is a show about people with the same goal who come into conflict because they, they disagree on how to go about achieving it. 
That's a good point. I didn't think about it like that. Let me ask you, what, what did you think of the scene with King and that whole storyline about him with Gil's body trying to protect it? I thought it was neat, but I also thought it was kind of corny. Yeah, I thought it was probably the weakest part of the whole episode. Yeah, except for the part where the Marines break into Surratt's to get more morphine when they just kind of appear behind him like ninjas. Oh, that was cool. Yeah. That was cool. But most of the time, King is the weak point to me uh, of, of the episodes, except for Christine most of the time. Right. Kendall's wife, Christine. Yeah, she's right. been the weak one for me overall. Uh, King, I usually find myself fairly interested, but I agree that they haven't quite figured out what they're doing with his character yet. And I wasn't a big fan of, of his little subplot last episode, and I wasn't a big fan of everything in the bar this episode, because it kind of just seemed like they needed an excuse to have some more action. So they were like, right. oh, we'll have King get into a bar fight. Well, what can he get into a bar fight over? Oh, how about the body? It, it just seemed really silly to me, you know, that these guys will come in and say, hey, we're taking the body. And then they beat, they beat him up, and then they're kind of like, oh, we don't want it anymore. You can have it. Right. And those those two other Marines, they weren't the best actors. Right. Yeah. It was kind of like, wait, wait, wait. If you're going to show me a scene where these two guys are beating up another guy over a body, they should take the body. Right. <laughs> Instead of just being like, oh, you've worn us out. We're done. We'll, we'll call it a night. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was pretty lame myself. I, I did bring up Christine's plot because the first couple scenes with her is what I expected from her for most of the time, you know? crying and and sad i mean it it made it make sense but when she went out there with that bat and started threatening the people who were monitoring her and yelling at the media that they should not believe everything that they hear that immediately propelled her up the scale definitely past king for me of of characters because she's not believing what the government said the government said look your your husband lies to you and you you know he's lying to you now and he who knows what else he's lying about and she still doesn't believe them and she she's making america question what they're being told which i think is good and something i look forward to actually seeing what her and her and kylie can do together I think that that was definitely a step in the right direction for her character. I still think she's the weakest part of the show, though, just because she doesn't seem to operate on any level other than extreme emotion. You know, (laughs) she's always crying. She's always yelling. Even when she does take initiative in this episode and previously when she, 
you know, was yelling on the phone for Sam not to trust the government and stuff. It's always just an emotional response. And I don't want to say yet that Jessie Schramm is a bad actress. The problem is that she's not really being given much to do other than cry and scream and i'm kind of getting tired of it and i'm hoping over the course of the next few episodes we'll finally start to see her calm down and become an actual person who can control her emotions and start Mm -hmm. to, to to really work towards discovering the truth and 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 taking on a more active role in the story because right now she just seems to me like the emotional subplot going off far away from the island that i'm not really interested yet right but ending uh like they did with with kylie seeing her on tv and kind of grinning i i think that they're at that kylie's done working behind the scenes trying to figure out what's going on and i think she's going to try to push from the public side using mrs kendall you know, this is the traitor's wife, and she says not to trust them, you know, maybe you shouldn't. Kylie using her influence to push Christine Kendall's message further. Yeah. It could be interesting. I, I mean, you know, I've, I've been saying all along, I think Kylie is another fairly weak character. I, for some reason, the, the female characters off the island <laughs> are not very strong characters yet. For the first few episodes, Kylie was just an exposition machine, and so far, mm-hmm. Christine has just been the romantic, emotional subplot. But I'm hoping, finally, maybe if they team up, they can yes. uh, actually both become really interesting three-dimensional characters. Or at least two-dimensional. If you take two one-dimensional characters, maybe <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll add up. Maybe together, they will become a fully dimensional <laughs> character between the two of them. It's really sad, but hopefully they can at least achieve that. Um, <laughs> what did you think of that big revelation that Kylie has, where she kind of realizes, oh, my father actually is kind of working with the president and working with the administration and doesn't want to get involved. In many ways, I kind of feel like that's the practical solution. (laughs) You know, I can kind of understand where he's coming from. Like, hey, the president gave us an order, so we have to follow it, and we're just going to ride this out. Someone got the man that I was sleeping with to steal the only specs of a multi-billion dollar system. That is our money. So you're damn right I'm taking this personally. Let it go. No. I'm not going to let it go. What do they want with it? Why would he take it? Because I told him to. Because when the president asks you to do something, you do it. You just handed over our family's future. A future that I... I protected our family's future. You're just too stubborn to see that yet. I worked my ass off on that project. You did a wonderful job on Perseus. But Pakistan is in ruins. Our government condemned by our allies. There are a lot of nervous, powerful people in Washington right now, so we are going to sit this one out. You just have to trust me this time. My particular problem with that little subplot is last episode, you know, the revelation that this creepy guy who convinced her boyfriend to steal her hard drive is her father. Dun, dun, dun. Like I said that really loud to myself. In fact, my wife asked me, what are you doing? Like, I was just watching it with my headphones. And she's like, what? And I'm like, oh, no, no, this this shows us re- getting really good. But then in the first five minutes of this episode, he's like, oh, yeah, I told him. 
<laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I'm used to like, you know, 224, like you mentioned before, and how if we do know that someone's the mole, they will sit on it for four or five episodes and, you know, keeps it going and going and you get so frustrated with them. But here in the first scene that we see him after that point, he's like, yeah, I did it. I'm kind of glad <laughs> that, that they took that route and they didn't have him keep it a secret from her. I, I, I like how they basically established this dynamic between her and her father where he's clearly used to having his way, but he's also used to her supporting him and kind of following in his footsteps. In that sense, it's totally logical that he would just tell her, yeah, I did it. It's for your own good. Just accept it. So I'm glad that that's kind of out in the open. And now she can take a more active role in choosing to either go along with that or, in all likelihood, not go along with that. Well, I also didn't like that the the other secret, the Cortez and Brandon letting Redmond die, was also revealed to everybody else in this episode, too. It's like, I don't know if they're afraid to keep big secrets, maybe, you know, like in a post-lost world, they're afraid of of letting people down, so they don't want to build up too much hype about a reveal or something. But I just felt like they, they... Everybody who had a good hand of in this poker game immediately, you know, showed their cards. And I don't know if that's a deliberate choice or if they're just afraid of, of losing viewers for or, or not expecting them to remember things that happened more than one episode ago. You know, I, I fully expect Surat to find out that there are rare earth minerals on the island next episode. <laughs> you know, everything that's being hidden from one character is going to be revealed to them in the next episode. So far that's that's how it's played and i i hope not well in the in the case of brandon and cortez i'm a little bit more okay with that just because they're military officers and they're supposed to reveal what happened to their commanding officer partially mm -hmm. for security reasons you know arguably if cortez had told chaplin about the situation with brandon sooner they could have avoided everything with the grenade and, and, and that whole situation. Right. And she still hasn't told anybody that she gave herself to Surratt. That's true. I didn't think about that. So she's still keeping that. That's her little secret. And I, I find it interesting that that's kind of the thing that she's carrying around since we were first introduced to her in the pilot um, in a scene where Kendall was asking her, you know, have you ever been sexually harassed, et cetera, et cetera. And she was kind of making a joke out of it. But now she's having to live with that secret. So I, I feel like they needed to reveal that just because otherwise I feel like I and other members of the audience would be wondering, hey, why don't you tell your commanding officer he can probably help you out? Mm -hmm. So in, in, in some ways, I think it does make them a little bit more sympathetic. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. You brought up these rare minerals or something that is apparently on the island. I gotta say, I'm not quite sure what I think about this subplot that they're developing. All we know is that there's something on the island that, when mixed with a certain solution, will turn it green, and that yes. means that it's present. And if it turns <laughs> red, that means that it's not present. We know that something is on the island and that it could be profitable. I have to say, as soon as that came up, I found myself thinking, oh no, please don't be a lost situation. Like, oh, the island is the source of everything. There's a golden light 
Yeah. You guys, in one of the past episodes, you and Greg talked about how you really don't know what the show is about quite yet. And that they could reveal something like this. You know, the the pilot was pretty straightforward, but, you know, later on they could reveal some kind of, you know, supernatural element. And half of me, and the, in that last scene with Sophie and Kendall talking, and she's like, the island is special. And she says something about it being a magical place. I mean, and she was talking about because it it's pretty. But right. I was just like, I half expected her. I really did. To say oh, it's a magical place. Uh-huh. No, 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 really, it's it's magical. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, we're on. Like, you picked the wrong island because now, you know, you got the smoke monster. Yep. And <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just wait, some really strange things are going to start happening. It's weird because while part of me wants the show to go into more of a speculative fiction, lost-type sci-fi direction... There's another part of me that really doesn't, especially if it's going to be what I'll call the season six of Lost. (laughs) (laughs) If it's going to go in that direction, I'd rather they just stay far, far away. So I'd like to propose a hypothetical to you, Drew. I I, I was just thinking about this earlier. What if the mineral and the the substance that she's testing for, what if it's uranium or some sort of... Hmm radioactive material that could be processed into more nuclear weapons. You know, I was I, I was thinking that, too. In rewatching the episode, I was paying more attention to what Surratt, when he gave Sophie all of the, the technical equipment, what he was talking about. And he was talking about a rare earth mineral that can be used for microprocessors and technology and stuff. But I wonder if Surratt's plan all along... I mean, before he the island got invaded was, you know, we're going to find these minerals and we're going to be rich or we're going to, you know, sell them to the terrorists or whatever. But now that St. Marina is the focal point of the entire planet, his plans are not going to go as well as he thought they might. But I did think, you know, maybe it could be a power source, some kind of, you know, unobtainium sci-fi not 100% you know science fiction but definitely like a fictional element to explain why the sub doesn't really run out of power or how they can you know if they take damage how do they get it repaired all that kind of star trek voyager stuff how do they fix all this stuff in between episodes they get damaged all the time and Oh, that's an interesting idea. Maybe it's a purely fictional element. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, that that could be. But they didn't mention any names, and they said that it was, you know, for for future technology or something. I think it's going to be some kind of speculative theoretical element that just so happens to be on the island that they can use to do whatever they need it to do that week. That'll be interesting. I, it could be that, or it could be an actual element of some sort that could actually be used to develop nuclear weapons because it seems like so much of the show is about nuclear weapons and how to use them responsibly whether or not anyone should have them and that kind of raw unlimited atomic power i think it would be interesting if surat got his hands on something like that that certainly would throw a, a new wrench into the gears and and kind of okay you know i i just I just got a vision of a season six Last Resort episode. Okay. Surratt somehow sneaks one of the missiles off of the Colorado, and now he's a nuclear power. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right, right. If this element can somehow be be used, 
um, to develop nuclear weapons, Sarat could either sell that to terrorists or maybe he could somehow process it himself. I don't know. They haven't really told us what St. Marina's economic and technological situation is. There doesn't even seem to be a government. I mean, right. it's just it, this, it, one, this one warlord and a NATO facility. Like, that's all we've seen in a bar. Yeah, so it's... <laughs> and Australians in the forest. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I'm assuming St. Marina is an actual nation or is associated with a nation, is a territory of a nation, but they haven't really revealed yet what that political situation is. Yeah, they're they're being very vague with, with political things like that. Right. I mean, notice that they still call president president. It's starting to get awkward. Right. The president says, it's like, <laughs> okay, president. President who? Hmm. I don't think we'll ever see him. I think they're going to leave it as, you know, he's not a Republican. They're not going to release if he's a Republican or a Democrat or anything like that. They're just going to be the president. The president said this, president that. He's going to be, it, it, it'll be a new party, like the nuclear party or something. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> yeah. But but uh, I'm wondering, like, is St. Marina, is this, are we supposed to be drawing parallels to like Iran or some other country in the Middle East? Like, how are we exactly supposed to view them politically? And you're right, they haven't really given us much to go on. Any other thoughts on that before we move on to our main topic of the episode? No, sir. All right, well, the, the main thing I want to talk about with you is that decision that Chaplin makes to give the crew a choice to either stay with the submarine or go. Do you think that that was a good idea? At first, I thought it was was a terrible idea. I mean, just like Kendall said, that Chaplin was gro grossly overestimating how many people would actually stay. I'm impressed that he was able to, with just one speech, convince most of them to, to switch from one side to the other back to staying, because I, I don't know if I would stay. Even if I was on there, I would want to go home. But that's, that's me, and I'm not in the Navy. Which he said, they volunteered to join the Navy, they volunteered to join the submarine, we're just asking them to volunteer one more time. Right. I liked the concept. I liked I liked where it went. And he Chaplin also brought up the point that if we don't give them this choice, we can't truly trust them. These people who do want to stay are people that we can actually trust from now on. And maybe we won't be worried about the mutiny of the week like I was afraid of when I first watched the pilot. I was like, so in this episode, somebody's going to mutiny. And in this episode, somebody's going to mutiny. But I think that if they let all the people who are uncomfortable with it leave, it gives the island a little less drama. Which, in this case, there's a plenty of drama. They can let some of it go. But are those people actually going to leave, though? I wasn't really sure. Like, it's a kind of a terrible idea. Just because, as you mentioned, I think most people would probably choose to go in that situation. And it's very, very convenient that he was able to persuade people to stay with that speech and, and that whole thing with Brandon went down and he just happened to the intercom going so that everyone could hear. <laughs> um, that was pretty convenient. But my question is, okay, so if you signed up to go, what does that mean? Are you just going to hang out on St. Marina for a while and just hang out with the natives? Or are you going to try and get another boat back 
to the United States? What I mean, what is what do you do <laughs> if if you decide to go? Chaplin said that they would put yourself on this list, and then you know, next time that there's a boat, we'll we'll get you, we'll try to get you home. And so I figured, you know, there'd be the list, and then we it would take a few a while for them to get a boat. But those Marines that night were just like, hey, we're we're taking the body, and we're taking Hopper, and we're going home. They said that there was a boat already. So apparently the people who were leaving are gone in this next episode. I don't I don't know. Like when the Well when, the next episode's called Skeleton Crew. Okay, maybe so. Spoilers. <laughs> so But okay. That may, I, I thought that may enter into it. I thought when the Navy SEALs came and said that they had a boat that they just had like a little small speedboat or something and they were just gonna like drive it out to the blockade or something. I don't know what I was imagining. <laughs> but um Yeah, I don't I don't think so because they wouldn't want to take that guy who was the bullet the chest wound. Right. That's a good point. Okay. If there's a boat leaving, what kind of boat is it? I mean, is it is it because they're are they, are they still trading with the outside right. world? You know, what's the point of a blockade if you're going to allow boats in and out? So I'm guessing there's just boats. <laughs> the island will eventually run out of boats, I guess, and then no one will be able to leave. Right. And it's like, okay, if if they aren't letting any boats in, are these people just going to continue to be loyal to Chaplin and work diligently on the submarine for a year or two or however long it takes for them to finally let a, a boat through the blockade? I mean, it's just it just seemed like a very vague proposal. Like, hey, just put your yeah. name on this list and then you can go home. I was like, what? Uh, how? <laughs> so do you think it's just people on the island that have boats? Yes. I don't know if these the islanders are leaving permanently or just dropping people off, but I imagine that they have some boats, like the, the boat that Sophie's boyfriend left on with those kids. I, I think that there are still several people on this island who have their own boats. I mean, they don't have cars for the most part. So I, I, I think they would all have boats for fun. And I, I imagine that they could just sail, you know, 200 miles to the blockade and drop people off and sail back or. Well, it looks like there was a pretty large amount of people that wanted to go. You know, assuming there's, let's say, 150 people on the submarine, if half of them are leaving, if 75 people are leaving, are they all going to be on one boat or are they all gonna randomly go house to house saying hey do you have a boat i can borrow or steal steal <laughs> yeah it just seems like a really weird situation and as you mentioned the next episode is called skeleton crew if all these people leave how are they going to continue to maintain the day-to-day -day operations of the submarine i didn't understand the the title of the episode until the engineer got told that he volunteered to stay like the one guy who the one guy apparently there's only one hopefully he doesn't get hurt the one guy who can run the nuclear reactor he wants to go home but they won't let him so it's kind of a stay or go list except for people we really need so they're being told that they're volunteering and so they, they made up a word to make the title. I don't think it's a very good title, but... Well, I mean, it is, it is an actual term. It is? Yeah, it is an actual term. I looked it up that means to volunteer someone without asking them first. That sounds about right. Yeah, so it's definitely referring to, to that guy who works on the nuclear reactor, um, Anders, I think his name is. And I guess we can assume that there might be a few other people that are required to stay. I can't remember, was the Cobb, was he required to stay did, or did he choose to stay? No, because uh, Grace went up to him and was just like, you know, 
if you leave, this whole thing's over. And he's like, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to row you people to your court martial. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. He's just staying so he can watch the world burn. Okay, yeah, that's right. I had forgotten about that scene. So he's still around. Lieutenant Shepard is still around. Brannon, I guess, is in the brig. Yeah, yeah, they don't really say if they're going to let him go or not. Right. Cortez is around. Mm-hmm. And she got the women to stay, which got a bunch of the guys to stay, which I also thought was funny. That was that was kind of weird <laughs> to me. I was sitting there and I was thinking to myself, is that sexist? I can't decide. <laughs> yeah. The idea that, oh, we're just going to write it so that if all the women stay, of course the men will stay too. Because, I mean, really? But it's not like there's not women in America. Right. And they're probably more likely to get laid in their home country, I would imagine, than with people that they're working with. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're not allowed to fraternize with each other. So. Oh, but you know that, they, that it has to happen. I mean, mm. cramped quarters like that, you know that stuff's going on when the captain's not watching. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that whole thing was, was weird as well it was almost I, I kind of had flashbacks to the election because we're in the middle of election season like oh we have to secure the women that demographic <laughs> that's true they were aiming for all the demographics yes and oh we have to get Cobb's endorsement <laughs> because if he stays <laughs> <laughs> yeah it it, it 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 was just kind of weird how it all played out <laughs> i wonder if that was deliberate it could be i don't know i don't know maybe maybe so any other thoughts on that decision to allow people to stay or go no i, I think i think we covered everything that i thought about it yeah o overall i think it's a pretty convenient plot device but i'm guessing it will start to move things forward and definitely increase some of the tension because if there are less people around to run the submarine and also less soldiers around to take on surat suddenly chaplin is a lot less powerful than he was before yeah they're a lot more vulnerable they're gonna have to they're not gonna be as many shifts on the sub and yes you can make the argument that these people are are more loyal but that doesn't change the fact that he still has less people to call on when he needs something done. So it'll be interesting to see how that whole situation plays out. Yeah. Chaplin hasn't declared his own nation or the, or the title of it yet. So uh, that was going to be my first sign that he is a supervillain. <laughs> is, is if he declares his own nation? He's like, uh, this is the nation of, of Chaplin and, <laughs> you know... Population, 120. Chaplania? I don't know. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe Kendall can have his own territory. And yes, Vice President Kendall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the fact that they're still maintaining military order says a lot for his sanity. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, Lieutenant Stewart, is there anything else that you would like to say about this episode of Last Resort? No, sir. I think it was a pretty good episode. It still has me interested, mostly to see what's really going on. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for this dispatch from St. Marina. As always, we would love to get your feedback on the show. Please subscribe to us through iTunes and leave us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the program. Uh, you can also email us at lastresort at filmgeekradio.com. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Let us know what you think of the show and how you think things are going to play out. And don't forget, you can subscribe to other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including Cinema Fix, Let's Get Real, 
and The Thin Place. Lieutenant Stewart, where can people find more of your work online? They can find me on Twitter at 005, all spelled out, or they can find me at Trek FM, where I record occasionally with Exo Harbin on the Ready Room, and I write new articles on uh, the original series of Star Trek, which is a lot of fun. All right, you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash writerandrew. If you're a listener, please uh, send me a message and let me know, and I'll be sure to follow you back. You can also find more of my writing at filmgeekradio.com. At the moment, I am watching all of the James Bond movies in chronological order and writing feature articles on each of them in preparation for Skyfall. So be sure to visit the website and check that out. All right, Lieutenant Stewart, insert your key. I don't, I don't have one, oh, sir. Oh, that's right. You're not qualified to have the key. Hmm. I, it appears as though Exo Harbin has taken his key with him to Russia. I hope it doesn't fall into the wrong hands. Uh, I'm not quite sure what we should do here. I, I guess we can't really uh, fire our weapons or anything. <laughs> um, we'll just salute. Okay. I'll salute you. You can salute me. And... Uh, I guess we'll go take a nap after that. Yes, sir. All right. You're dismissed. Thank you. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio. Yeah.